Scripture this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. And I know we forgot to do something. There we go. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? And for when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you, can, you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A little caveat to the service today. Usually when putting together the worship service, the first thing I do is pick out a scripture that I feel that God wants me to preach. And from there, I find prayers and hymns based on the overall message of the week. About halfway through this last week, though, God helped me to, to decide to change my mind on what scripture I was going to preach. But I did not want to confuse the situation too much, so I didn't change the hymns. And although each and every one of these hymns holds a nugget of information on the message of the gospel according to Matthew, they might not seem to make sense for 1 Corinthians. Either way, they are good songs to sing and good prayers to pray as we live into our discipleship of Jesus Christ. I do not often preach from the epistles. There really isn't a reason. I just really, really, really like the gospel and usually feel called to preach it. 1 Corinthians may be one of Paul's most popular letters. Some of the best verses in scripture come from this book. Love is patient and kind and all of that. This letter provides us with a glimpse of what life in, early Christ in an early Christian community was like in a Greco-Roman city. It is named after the recipients of the letter, the people of Corinth. The city at one time was the biggest of the cities in Greece, with Athens and Sparta rounding out the top three. There was quite a lot of commerce that took place in Corinth. Much like Columbia Avenue or Beckley Road in Battle Creek, if you can't find it in Corinth, Sparta, or Athens, you probably don't need it. Corinth, at the time of Paul's letter to them, was a city not much different than New York or Chicago. It had fallen into some dis destruction prior to the time of Julius Caesar, but shortly before he died, he was able to regain it for the Roman Empire. 
Since its refounding, it had become quite the metro metropolitan area. It was a place to prosper, a place to learn. Although Julius Caesar had originally populated it with freedmen and veterans, by the time that Paul was in Corinth, about a hundred years later, the city had become quite diverse with Jews, Gentiles, Syrians, Egyptians, and of course, Romans. They had all immigrated to the senatorial city of Corinth. The city was a big sports town, holding games every two years, a lot like the Olympics, that were widely attended, and there was a lot of opportunity for civic advancement as well. It was quite the town. While Paul was in Corinth, he equipped the people with the knowledge of Christ. He converted many people, mostly the poor, but a few elite as well. While Paul was with them, they felt confident in their abilities. They felt strong in the faith they had for Christ. They were committed to the cause, waited patiently for the coming of the Lord. But then, as preachers are wont to do, Paul left the city and moved on to the next. He was in Ephesus when he received a letter from the Corinthians as they realized they did not know how to handle certain situations and circumstances. Their panic reminds me of those first few days of working alone at a new job. You spend several days or weeks training, you write notes, you ask questions, you learn how to do everything, and you feel confident in your skills. But then your trainer goes home, and you feel left all alone, and suddenly you can't remember how to spell your own name, let alone the combination to the safe. You reach out to your trainer, much like the Corinthians did when they wrote to Paul while he was in Ephesus. Paul wrote back to the people. They were worried and upset in his absence. They were focused on the actions of others, the actions of those that did not understand the praise and power of Christ. Paul wanted to re redirect their focus. He wanted to remind them to be thankful for the grace and mercy of God and to stay focused on the praise and worship of Jesus Christ. He wanted to remind them that he was thankful for them and the gifts they had to share. There was also a great division among the believers in Corinth after Paul left. Not too long after Paul founded the church in the city, another Christian teacher came to town. His name was Apollos, and he was from Alexandria, Egypt. He was, as the book of Acts tells us, an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. Apollos made quite the impression on some people, especially those in the elite class, who valued philosophy and rhetoric. After the visit of both of these men to Corinth, factions formed within the church, with members declaring support for one teacher over the other. And so Paul's letter was meant to remind the people of the church in Corinth that they are a community. And in the early years of the Christian church, unity was of the utmost importance. Paul spends today's portion of his letter reminding the people of Corinth that they must work together. And they have a long way to go before they reach spiritual maturity. 
The important message of this portion of the letter is that God is in control of all things. Different translations of this text use different words to adjust the understanding of the passage. In the New Revised Standard Version that we just heard, Paul calls the apostles and the followers of Christ servants of God. The Common English Bible uses the phrase co-workers of God not meaning to put us on the same platitude of God, but to remind us that we are all working together for the fulfillment of God's mission. God has called us all to different vocations, different jobs throughout the work of Christ. But don't let that fool you. God is doing the work. Paul points this out in his letter. Some of you say you belong to Apollos, while others say you belong to Paul. What is Apollos? What is Paul? They are the ones you can learn from and believe in their words because God has assigned them to the job of preaching and teaching. Paul planted the seeds in the field. Apollos watered the field, but God gave growth to the field. And the community of faith, my friends, you are the field. The community is the new temple of God. Ministry is done by all and mostly outside of the building. The buildings are tools used to serve the body of Christ, the church, and the community. But it is not the only place that the work is done. We're going to sing a little song here. It's an old Sunday school favorite of mine. If you know it, if you don't know it, just listen to the message. But if you know it, join me, will you? I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Now here's where the message gets a little sticky for some of us, because we continue. The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. And you can continue to sing if you wish, absolutely. The church is the people unified in the work that needs to be done, given to us by God through the Holy Spirit. No one is better because they align more with one teacher over the other. One teacher plants, the other waters, but God makes it grow. This theme of unity comes up a lot throughout Paul's letter. Further in, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Each one is different for a different purpose. To expect uniform spiritual gifts is to remain in the flesh, to remain in need of milk rather than the solid food of truth. Our congregations are not made by one person. Each person in the body brings something else to the worship space. To, to the function of the building and to the ministry of the community at large. Often these people are nameless, providing a service without anyone really noticing, never asking for admiration or praise. And they do it because it is part of their vocation for the good of the community. 
It may be something rather basic, something like making sure that the side door is unlocked or even making sure all the coffee cups get washed. Or it could be something more intricate like providing music and making sure that the technology is up and running. Each part and each person in doing these jobs is participating in the work of God for the community of Christ. As followers of Jesus, think about this. How do you see God leading you through scripture, through your life, with your roles in the community of Christ? How do we strengthen ourselves to let go of the flesh for spiritual maturity? The first part of this passage reminds me of the movie A Few Good Men. Tom Cruise demands that he wants the truth, and Jack Nicholson insists that he can't handle the truth. Often we are Tom and Paul is Jack. Bitterness, vengefulness, jealousy, these are all of the flesh of being spiritually immature. And as long as these things are allowed to continue in our churches and in our lives, we are not able to fully ingest and digest the word of God through scripture or through the work of the Holy Spirit. Until we are able to get out of our own way, we will, as Paul has told us, only get milk in spiritual infancy and not the solid food of spiritual maturity until we let go of all of the worry and hatred we can't handle the truth we must set aside all for the growth of the community hearing the truth of Christ I can guarantee is greater than any fear worry, bitterness, jealousy, or retaliation that we can put ourselves through. In order to allow God to work within our lives and grow our community and strengthen our maturity, we have to let it all go. Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God grows. Growing the church is God's job. Our job, whether we see ourselves as servants of the Lord or co-workers of God, is to be as faithful as we can be in everything that we do. Some of us plant, others water, but God grows. It is our job to become better disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. Amen.